Okay, welcome everyone back to the Vegan Chapters. My name is Adam and I'm here with Megan. And we're going to be talking about the coronavirus, the major thing that everybody's talking about. It is always on the news 24-7. Mm-hmm. It's on everybody's minds 24-7. So we're going to talk about it here. And it's just befitting that we have the game Pandemic here right beside us. <laughs> so this episode is brought to you by Pandemic. <laughs> yeah, we were going to try to play it tonight and we were like, ah, uh, maybe not. Yeah, Save maybe for not. Tomorrow. <laughs> Save for another day. Yeah. So anyways, Megan, coronavirus. I know it's been on my mind quite a bit. I know it's been on your mind. Yeah, we basically all the time. can't escape it because every five minutes there's a new update. It's moving so quickly. Uh, today we just found out that all the schools in Alberta will be closed indefinitely, so most most likely till September at least. And uh, I know you guys in the States, if you're listening to this or even around the world, you're probably facing the same the same kind of thing. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know it's been a while since we've made a video, so this is only about time that we, we need to talk about something here, and I think uh, this is time to talk about uh, mm-hmm. this topic. Well, the thing is, is everybody has a little more time on their hands, and so I think we're probably going to be um, doing as much as we can to kind of uh, spread a positive message and, and try to uh, create a little bit more content here, too, for you guys. So Perfect. Mm-hmm. So... Let's let's just rewind back to so the history and I learned a lot over this past week because obviously I've been watching YouTube and and reading up on things online and and the history behind disease and I didn't realize the last pandemic we had was in 1918 mm-hmm. right at the end of World War One yeah uh, where almost 50 million people died mm-hmm. that was the Spanish flu the Spanish flu which is also the the That's scientific why. name is H1N1 correct was it H1N1 I think it's H1N1. I know it was swine flu. Swine flu, yeah. Because it originated from a pig farm, most likely, right? Yeah, in Kansas, I think they said. We watched that documentary last night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of the last time we've ever had a pandemic on this scale, a disease on this scale. Well, and thankfully, coronavirus is nowhere near as deadly as the Spanish flu was, um, yet, at least. And let's hope it stays that way because, you know, as many of you might know, uh, some of you might not know this, but viruses tend to mutate. uh, And that tends to be the case, you know, as they infect more and more people, they have more of a chance to change their DNA chain, change change their their whole... uh, change the way that they are, basically. Uh, The more people they jump through, and so as they infect more and more people, the disease may mutate, may change a little bit. And that's actually part of the reason why, um, you know, when a flu vaccine comes out, for example, for the seasonal flu, uh, oftentimes by the time the flu hits us here in America, uh, that that vaccine is no longer as effective as it would have been uh, at the beginning of flu season. And that tends to be because the, vac- the, the disease has mutated slightly. And so um, what we have developed to prevent uh, isn't always exactly in line with what the virus actually presents as once it comes into contact with us over here. And the Spanish flu uh, mutated as well. There was a yes, first wave and then three. there was a second wave. And I think the second wave was the deadlier one. Yeah. Or the third, there was three? There was three, yeah. Also, the third wave was probably the worst then, right? I can't, I can't remember what they said last night, but I know the second wave was very, very deadly for sure. So this virus that we're experiencing now may be like the the seasonal cold and, oh, people are sick for a couple of days, but that's mm-hmm. nothing compared to what could happen, let's say, early, or later in the year type thing, right? right? Like, we just don't know. And, and that's the thing is because this is a novel virus, right, a new virus, um, they, they, they just don't know. They, they don't have the answers. They can't tell us. You know, like there's rumors out there right now saying, oh, you know, there's actually a few different strains of coronavirus and, you know, there's more severe strains that actually cause death, whereas, you know, there's a few other strains that are just causing, uh, you know, common cold symptoms and that could be true. We just don't know. And that's the problem is we, we, we don't have enough patience to be able to test because all we're focusing on right now is trying to contain it and trying to deal with the actual outbreak and the actual pandemic, not necessarily um, using all of our resources to to invest into research. Um, so it's hard because how do you, you know, how do you how do you decide where you put your your, your people? Well, exactly, and especially when we don't have as much resources as we thought we we think we do, right? Yeah, exactly, and that's the other part of the problem. I know when we were listening to uh, the podcast that Joe Rogan had on, uh, he was interviewing Michael Osterholm. Is that how you say it? 
Uh, he's an infectious disease expert, and he was saying, you know, <laughs> part of the reason why we're having such a big issue right now is because of the supply and demand chain. Uh, so, so basically, in in hospitals, in healthcare, in America, we order items as we need them. So we do not stockpile, and we don't hoard uh, any kind of masks, any kind of ventilators, any kind of medications. Even we have a very short supply, a short working supply of the items. Uh, that we use on a daily basis. And so what happens is when we have an outbreak or a pandemic like we're having right now, um, the healthcare system gets overwhelmed very, very quickly. And, um, you know, obviously for workers, but also for supplies. And so mm -hmm. that's where uh, we are going to be struggling in the coming months as well. So in, it was also interesting to watch the documentary on what happened in Wuhan, China earlier yeah, in the year. I couldn't believe that they built a hospital yeah. Brand new hospital in like 10 days. Yeah, ground up, guys. <laughs> it was intense. They didn't have enough room in their current uh, healthcare system. So like, okay, well, we're going to build another hospital yeah. and then just import a bunch of nurses and doctors from all across draft the country. It. Like, draft nobody it. Nobody has like, a choice, right? Like military-style draft. Yeah. Nobody has a choice. They just, they do it. Yeah. But I have to say, in a situation like this, man, is that effective. Authoritarianism. Authoritarianism, yeah. man, is that effective for controlling pandemic. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to fare here in, in North America. We have such a individualism uh, theme through all of our systems, right? Mm -hmm. Capitalism and... Well, you're expecting to get paid for your, your services your, all the time, right? Yeah. Freedom of choice, freedom of movement, all of these freedoms that we're so used to having. And uh, I don't know if they're lined up really, really well for dealing with such a wide-scale um, social issue. Because we're not... We don't really care as much about uh, socialism, right? Like we're we're the opposite here. We're very individualistic. We care about ourselves. We care about, you know, uh, big fish gets the whatever. I don't even know what analogy I'm trying to make, but right. You know, we don't think about um, society as a whole here, whereas individualistic or um, cultures that. What's the other one? There's individualism. And what's the other one? Collectivism. Collectivism. That's the one. That's like, exactly almost what like communist. You would say it's like or... communist. It, it's it's collectivism. So like your perspective is about your society, not about yourself. So you're thinking about everybody as a whole. So for example, Japan is a collectivism uh, type of um, society. China is a collectivism type of society. They have very different governments. They have democ democracy versus um, communism. However, they both are. Um, collectivist societies and so I think that those societies definitely do better <laughs> when it comes to pandemics mm -hmm. and and things that affect the entire society um, better than we do so because not everybody listens to government here that's true they have very little control over how the society is actually going to behave could you imagine if the military came in and started uh, enforcing quarantine well, I can see a lot of pushback from a lot of uh, of residents, especially in the United States. Well, and, the, and so. well, then they always talk about their Second Amendment rights, and you know. Yeah. And so I could see how if a government were to come onto a property and say, "Okay, you're staying on your property," or trying to lim uh, prohibit their freedoms, then <laughs> there could be a lot of rioting. There could be a lot of violence. This is just such a crazy time, too. Like, and and especially in the United States because they're already so divided politically. Like, and health shouldn't be a partisan issue. Absolutely not. Like it should be okay. It's a basic human right. Put everything aside. Yeah. We need to figure this out. We don't care what the costs are. We need to take care of this first and foremost. Yeah. Or we won't have you a future. You save your people, yeah. right? You save your people, and that's why that's why I'm a firm believer in universal health care. I mean, we're in Canada. We're very fortunate that we have that already. I still can't believe the United States hasn't caught up yet. Like, yeah. what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> yeah. Go with universal health care. It's a basic human right. But mind you, I'm kind of more socialist that way anyways, because I believe that housing is a basic human right as well. So, mm -hmm. and I know not all, all people believe that, but. Yeah. Do you, so I've heard this on the news today too, but uh, they said that this is the 9-11 of our decade. Oh, they do you, said that? Do you think that, what are your thoughts on oh, that? It's a complete emergency, 100%. Yeah. It's unfolding a lot slower than 9-11 did. Although I guess the aftermath of 9-11, there was a lot of uncertainty and with the war and everything like that. I don't know what to describe this as. 
it, it reminds me of a war, 100%. It reminds me of uh, like just that fear in the air and the uncertainty. But we're not at war with another nation. We're at war with this, this disease. And nobody's quite sure how to deal with that. We're so used to being able to blame an enemy. We're so used to be able to place, placing blame on another country or another dictator or another whoever. We can't do that here. We can only place blame on ourselves. Right. Because we created this, didn't we? Yeah, well, that and that's the main thing is we're going to talk about is the origins of disease came from, yeah, and how we can prevent another one of these coronaviruses from happening in the future. Mm -hmm. So obviously, maybe you can touch on that, Megan. Where where, where do these come from? Where do, where does the coronavirus come from? Well, this one specifically, I mean, I'm sure everybody already knows this by now, but it uh, originated in Wuhan, China, uh, from a wet market they call it, and what this wet market is is basically. Um, farmer's market of horror <laughs> for a <laughs> vegan that's for sure yeah. for anybody honestly anybody in the western culture anyways i think if you were to walk through that you'd be pretty shocked at what uh, what was happening but basically what it is is these people go out into the wild into the bushes and they grab all these different kinds of animals and you know like animals that you probably didn't even know existed i know there were some few things that i seen on footage there and i was like what is that They've got salamanders and these giant mussels called mollusks that mm -hmm. I didn't even know was a thing. And bats with their wings cut off and their mouths open and just like, ah. They've got dogs and cats and, you know, all of that, that kind of thing as well. Birds. Just every kind of animal that you could think of is there. Some are alive. A lot of them are dead. Uh, already slaughtered, skinned, whatever. And people go there and they purchase their food, right? Uh, they're there to eat these animals. Uh, there's no discrimination between animals there at all. Um, it's just whatever is walking, breathing, <laughs> whatever is, is food to them. And unsanitary conditions. Completely unsanitary conditions. And, and part of the problem with that is it's not even just that it's unsanitary. The problem is, is putting these animals in close proximity to one another. Um, so there are diseases called zoonotic diseases, and that basically means that they come from animals. Uh, sometimes these diseases stay within that uh, animal species, and sometimes they leap between animal species. And um, Michael Osterheim, Osterholm does a much better um, explanation of this, so I do encourage you guys to check out that podcast next once you're done with this one. Uh, but the basics of it is uh, when you put animals who are not used to being together, together, uh, it's a recipe for disaster. And these diseases can cross species and then eventually basically break out of the animal species and come uh, to humans and start infecting humans. And that's what happened with this new coronavirus. I think they said that they, they believe it came from bats. I know there's been a couple of different um, speculations out there as to what animal exactly it originated from, but and it made the jump sometime in November is what they kind of predicted, right? I think they said November. And then ever since then, it was kind of um, infecting the local population yeah. until we got into that, to and that then January, uh, epidemic within yeah. Wuhan mm -hmm. and then spread from there, Yeah. right? And, and I have to say the Chinese government did an excellent job at containing it. Like, as you guys know, probably by the time this podcast airs, like they're they're doing a great job. They've actually had to close their borders to prevent more spread coming into their country rather than it going out. And so right. that just comes down to sheer will and force. And, and man, they responded really well to that. So, wow. and you know, you guys, you've got to keep in mind too, that these wet markets are not only in China, they're all over Asia. And it's not just the Asian population who practices, um, you know, this type of the slaughter and this type of uh, eating of bushmeat. I mean, that's where the Ebola um, crisis has broken up many, many times in Africa, usually from eating bats from bushmeat. Um, a lot of these really deadly diseases, most of them come from animals, you know? And, and I realize that um, a lot of these places, the people don't necessarily have a choice. It's like not like they can go to the superstore and be like, all right, I'm going to get some chickpeas and lentils and rice and eat that instead. Like they do not really have a choice right now. They're starving. They need to eat these foods because they don't have any grain. Why don't they have any grain? And that's the ultimate question. That was my next question for you. Why are not, they, they have land. Right. They have the ability to perform agriculture. We have the knowledge we can give them. 
why is that land not uh, being used for that purpose? It probably is being used for that purpose, but that grain is not going to those people. That grain is going to countries that are using it to feed cattle and whatever other animals to grow, mm -hmm. um, which is a losing battle calorically, right? Because you have to feed these animals pounds and pounds and pounds of grain just to grow them fat enough or big enough to, to slaughter. And, and the calorie that you get from that animal is far, far less than what you'd actually be able to get if you use the grain just to feed the people. And so it's, it's this whole system is backwards. The whole system is not set up in a way that is uh, built to feed people. And uh, it's really interesting because I'm hoping that what comes out of this whole pandemic is it gives people pause and it kind of hits the reset button a little bit and, and gives us a chance to maybe change things around. Changing to a plant-based food system. Absolutely. We need to. It's no longer a choice. I mean, it was never really a choice. I never really saw it as a choice because how do you, how do you say it's your right to, to take the life of an animal? I don't think it is your right at all. But now more than ever, it is not your right because your choices are affecting the entire world. Do you think a lot of meat eaters now who are, who have used the argument in the past, well, it's my personal choice to, to consume animals, now that they realize that animals are causing these three quarters of all zoonotic diseases, um, thousands of people are dying, including from just the basic influenza, which is tied back to poultry. Mm -hmm. So now we know that there's death directly related to animal agriculture. Can, can meat eaters honestly say that it's their personal choice? I think they can continue to say that as long as they are naive to these facts. Absolutely. Because they don't know. And this kind of goes back to a lot of the other episodes that we've had about outreach, vegan outreach. People are so blind to it. And I'm really, really hoping that through this pandemic, I mean, a lot of people are going to be home. A lot of people are going to be watching the news let's hope that these people can get educated about where these diseases are coming from and let's hope somebody is there, somebody in power, somebody with enough social pull that says to them, we need to stop animal agriculture and it clicks. Because the facts are right now, uh, like our biggest advocate is probably Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. um, as well as some other celebrities who have done some, some vegan outreach uh, publicly. You know, those... Those are the voices that we need, but even more so, we need voices like the CDC. We need voices like the World Health Organization. We need voices um, of people in healthcare because everybody is listening to them right now. It's not always the case, but right now people are, are very much paying attention to the health authorities in this space. Mm -hmm. We need them to stand up and say, we have to stop animal agriculture. Right. Because the thing is, is it's not just bushmeat. Like, yes, that is where this particular coronavirus came from. But like you mentioned earlier, Adam, Every single year, we have outbreaks of avian flu in North America. Now, avian flu, we're very, very fortunate because it is not human-to-human -human transmission like coronavirus, the novel coronavirus, COVID-19, has um, um, mutated to become. Avian flu, um, poultry flu, is only animal-to-human. And so every single year, the poultry farm workers actually do uh, become susceptible to it, and, and many of them get infected through this uh, uh, from this disease every single year here in North America. It is literally one bad mutation away from another deadly pandemic right here in North America because of poultry farming. Let's not forget about swine flu. Let's not forget about mad cow disease. Let's not forget about that gross uh, wasting disease from deer. Chronic wasting disease? Oh, or yeah. I can't remember what the, uh, the human version of it is, but there is one. Um, yeah, Jakob's Kreutzfeld? Something like that. Jakob's Krefeld's disease. I can't remember exactly how it's like. Can you, yeah, I'll what look is that? But, uh, but yeah, and this wasting disease is nasty. It's like basically, uh, what are they called? Polygons or something like that? Prions. Prions. Yeah, prions. We don't even know what we're talking about. These prions affect the, the deer's brain and it just creates wasting like you say and it's like foaming at the mouth and it's like zombie disease i think is what they call it yeah and apparently if you shoot a deer and you know like a, it's predominantly white tail if you uh shoot a deer you're supposed to actually send the head off for testing yeah. to make sure it doesn't have those prions present because you don't want to be consuming that and possibly have that because it's really you can't get rid of them as soon as they're in your body they're in your body for life and so. you can't sterilize it no they, they, they don't they've die. worked on people um like had did surgery on people who have had this wasting to syndrome and uh they've tried to sterilize the equipment like six times 
and it you can't kill it. They've had to throw out the equipment. So imagine that went wild. Yeah, chronic wasting disease, a prion disease, which means it's caused by proteins called prions that attack the brain and spinal tissue. No thanks. No thanks. What is a wasting disease in humans? TSEs. Um, yeah, Creutzfeldt, Jakob disease, CJD. Mad cow disease as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, why the hell are we eating meat? So, let's think about this. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, <laughs> I'm yeah. keep talking because no, 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 I'm it. frustrated about this. Let's think about this. So, we, we eat meat because we like the taste. We have to take an animal's life for that, which some people are apparently okay with. We uh, then eat the meat, uh, usually in abundance, like way too much. Uh, we end up getting heart disease, some cancers, uh, atherosclerosis, high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, the list goes on and on and on and on of these diet-related um, morbidities, and that weakens our, our system. And then we create these zoonotic diseases that come and they wipe out our weakest population. How ironic is that? Mm -hmm. So now your risk factors for um, COVID-19 is obesity, it's heart disease because your circulatory system won't be able to handle the, the respiratory um, issues that this disease causes when it's a severe case. You know, like what are we doing? It makes no sense. We need to stop it. It's not even a vegan issue anymore, you guys. It's, it's not even just the, the animal rights issue. It's so much bigger than even just animal rights. And people say that it's too extreme to give up eating animals. It's to be vegan. Yeah. That's the, well, that's too yeah. extreme. You're an extremist. Yeah. But yet in the pandemic, when you go to freaking superstore or Walmart, all the beans and lentils are gone. They so, probably don't even know how to freaking cook it. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's definitely the other argument that doesn't hold oh up is, God. oh, well, you know, you, you can't survive off a vegan diet, but what are the first things to go? All the staple foods yeah. Rice, that vegans beans. live off of, right? Lentils. Yeah. Oh my lord. But I thought they didn't have protein in them. <laughs> I don't guess they're all gonna just. Uh... Oh. Anyways. So and that that brings me to my next question though. So panic. I mean, we've obviously seen the panic firsthand. Mm -hmm. I've seen it on the road too. People panicking and doing things honest, they normally wouldn't do. I'm definitely internally panicking. <laughs> Talk about it. What? So what's what's your panic about? What's my panic mm -hmm. about? Well, the, for me, it's just the uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen in the future. Like, we, there's a lot of considerations to be coming forward. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's really uncertain times. It's a very uneasy feeling. For me, the very first time uh, that it felt real for me was when I saw Seth Meyers in his, like, regular shirt on TV saying that they had to cancel their studio audience early. And I was just like, oh, this is actually Every, when other really people are taking it seriously. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a net because now it's affecting me personally because, because <laughs> yeah. I like to watch Seth Meyers yeah. and I like to watch Stephen Colbert and like, that's what we do, right? Like that's our routine. We, we come home, we watch it on YouTube and we have a laugh and then we go to bed. And like, so now that's no longer normal. And yeah. And, and ever since then I've been totally panicking. <laughs> well, it's a breakdown in what you're used to. Right. Exactly. And now the new normal is completely different. Yeah. We don't know what our new normal is yet. We're still just like transition in period, this eh? weird, uh, like, yeah, this weird transition. And there's not enough time to like catch up because it's moving so quickly. Like the Canadian government responded very, very quickly. I think only just today we found our first um, evidence of community uh, transmission. Oh, yeah. yeah. Community spread, trying community Was that in Ottawa, I think? It was eh? in Ottawa, yeah. yeah. And they think that it, uh, I think they're only just assuming that it was spreading, uh, that it has spread com community because uh, the two cases that they picked up, they had already been walking around for like 10 days, mm. uh, touching things and like, <laughs> you know. Oh, okay, so awesome. it's just really, it's just a matter of time before it, you know. Ramps up. Mm hmm. And so thankfully, I mean, the Canadian government has definitely, we've had time to be able to watch other countries and see what they've done, see what they've done successfully and what maybe hasn't worked so well. And uh, hopefully they'll use that to their advantage and maybe we'll kind of come out somewhat okay. As far as the disease goes, nobody's gonna be okay as far as the economy goes, especially not here in Alberta, but even worldwide, I don't know what that's gonna mean for us. 
Like, is it going to be like dirty thirties again? You know? Well, will money even matter? Will money even matter? Like, is this truly a, a, a big reset button? It feels like it. A part of me is a little bit hopeful um, with this. It is absolutely terrifying to think that everything can be a huge reset button, but at the same time, we need a reset. Our economy is messed up. Uh, our priorities are completely backwards. Society as a whole has become very, very selfish. This is something that we can use to move our society forward in a way that um, we probably would have never had the opportunity to had this not happened. Well, even the, the talk about uh, no action being done on climate change. Right. And that we were definitely going to go over that 1.5 degrees Celsius right. increase. Yes. And then all of a sudden, the past week, it's like airplanes, stop. Done. Yes. Trains are not moving because the kids are not moving. China stopped. China stopped. So all of a sudden, the, it, it was like, okay, this is doable now. You, you know what I mean? Everything like, stopped. Yeah, everything that's just stopped. so interesting. But everybody's surviving. Like, well, we're we're having casualties, but you know, there's a way around mm -hmm. just the normal grind and and carbon emissions as per yeah. usual, right? Well, and then so because of that, because all these things seem so serendipitous and they seem like they've lined up so so well, people are like, oh, it's a conspiracy. Somebody totally like yeah, Greta Thunberg's behind this, this uh, eh? like yeah. disease, right? Yeah, but. Um, Experts have weighed in on that, and I do believe the experts who have dedicated their entire lives to mm -hmm. studying diseases like this, I don't think that their opinions should be taken lightly. They are not part of a giant conspiracy. These are hardworking individuals, scientists, who have dedicated their entire lives to research. So their opinion matters. Um, they have said that, you know, looking at this virus underneath the microscope, there is absolutely zero evidence of, of us being able to create this. So... Well, it, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. That's one of Newton's laws, right? That's He's true. saying yeah. that, you know, if we're going to completely destroy the earth, the earth is eventually going to have to push back, just like a boomerang. It's mm -hmm. going to come back for us. Yeah. And now this is one of the things that's coming back for us. Mm hmm And, I mean, we're just going to have to face the ramifications of everything that's happened up until this point. Mm hmm so. It's going to be such a weird time to look back on. Like, what kind of stories are we going to tell our grandkids about this? Like, what is this? What is this? Millennials have seen a lot of changes. We have! Like, I remember vividly what I was doing when 9-11 happened. Yeah. I remember I was playing tennis, and then I heard, okay, well, the Twin Towers just got hit. And then that changed everything for me, right? Because it's like, okay, we're, we're going to war. We're, you know, we're, we're yeah. fighting against terror now. We're going to have to give up some of our liberties when we go to the airport and stuff. Like, and then just, like, the, the conversation changed. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, like... A lot of millennials were being drafted in the war of Afghanistan and then, you know, into the war in Iraq and then all these different changes we've seen up until we became adults. Mm -hmm. And now we're facing this new what the hell? change. Yeah. This transition period to a brand new world. Like, and I personally do not feel ready for this. Like, I don't feel like an adult yet. Like, yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm like waiting for the, the big people to yeah. like come and save us because I, I'm just like... How, how is the world in our hands right now? I'm turning 36 in May. Yeah. Like, in my mind, 36 sounds, like, pretty old. Like, oh, yeah, you, like, you should have your stuff together, you know, like, you should know, like, what you're doing in your life and all this stuff. And, like, I do, for the most part, feel like that. But, but now, like, faced against, like, a serious world crisis, it's just, like, holy crap. Like, the world is literally in our hands, you know, and, and, and even more so now because this disease is so dependent on how every single one of us stands up and deals with it. It's not just the leaders who are making decisions about going to war or not. It is every single individual making decisions about whether they wash their hands or not. Yeah. Every single individual making decisions about whether they stay home or not. Like, it is dependent on every single one of us. We need to be team players or we're not going to make it work. So if you go to the store and you set up that chain reaction, then all of a sudden you infect 10 more people, right? Like everybody's um, decisions have an immediate and severe impact on everybody else. And I don't think ever before we have been, um, we have been shouldered with so much responsibility as individuals in society. Have we? I don't think so. 
not not us in our life. I don't definitely think. not us in our life. And then even to thinking back to the last pandemic, the Spanish flu, like did people even really know what was going on? I think they just accepted the yeah. circumstances as they came. Yeah, like like their lives were very very different. They didn't have um, the ability to communicate like we do now with social media, with news broadcasts, all these things. Like we have the ability, thankfully, to be very well informed. And so now that responsibility, everybody has the knowledge. It's almost like a test of your humanity. Like, are you a team player or not? And that's why we felt compelled we had to make this today too, because we have this information that we have, yeah. but maybe somebody watching this maybe learned something from this and maybe they can inst uh, institute some kind of behavior change in themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have all the information. You don't have all the information, whoever's watching, but collectively we can, we can share work. this information and we can, we can get up to 100% knowledge on this subject. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So Canada, people are staying at home. We've been given the 14-day uh, the isolation order. Just if you feel sick, stay home. Mm -hmm. You're going to get paid for. That's, that's taken care of. What do you think the mental health is of most people staying home? I think it really depends on your mental health before this happened. It, it really, really depends on your mental health before this happened. And it depends on uh, a lot of factors for your own personality. Like I've seen a lot of memes out there saying, oh, this is like an introvert's dream and stuff like that. And that may be the case, I guess, for some. But keep in mind, even if you are an introvert, we still need social contact of some kind. We are social beings. And so uh, this is gonna be hard for everybody. It's gonna be really hard for everybody, especially people who live alone, especially for people who maybe aren't getting along right now. Imagine being stuck with your spouse and your guys are breaking up or something. Like, well. I even know somebody that uh, just happened to come back from Mexico before all this this hit, and uh, she put herself into isolation for 14 days, and it was a collective idea between her and uh, her um, significant other that uh, she'd stay away from her kids because she didn't want to infect them, right? Yeah. So imagine what's going through her mind. Not even be able to see your babies, right? Not even be able to hold your kids, or and then of course that creates fear in them as well. So there are so many social issues uh, that are kind of come from this. Just the isolation part alone. Never mind what's going to happen when our old people and our people who are vulnerable to this disease start passing away. Right now we haven't had that many deaths here in Canada. Uh, that's going to change very quickly because they, they can't stop it right now. And would it, was, is, is it even safe to have a funeral? Because, I mean, you're going to have, like, you're going to go to the funeral home, but you're also going to be in contact with a lot of other contagious people, and maybe a lot of older people are going to attend that funeral. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. So what are they going to do? Hold, put these bodies on ice for 14 days? Or are they just going to bury them, like, in a small little... You don't you know, even get to say goodbye. Or you have to stay at arm's length away from the casket. Or have a very small service, just immediate family only. Or just like one or two people in at a time type thing, Maybe. or you know, but then you have to worry about serialization in between and stuff. And then... mm -hmm. there's so many things that this ripples out into, you guys. It's it's mind boggling even just to think about it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a very complex uh, situation I think, for um, sure. See, and for socialization, like I think that social media is going to be really important for that. Uh, you know, maybe participating in live streams, participating in in group conversation online, rather than just flicking through your Instagram feed or flicking through Facebook or whatever and seeing all the horror stories or seeing all the memes or whatever, actually taking it a step further and having conversations with people online mm -hmm. is going to make a big, big difference because it's going to feed that social aspect. So join live groups, comment um, with people, make a community. Make a Facebook group dedicated specifically to the thing that you're struggling with or find a Facebook group dedicated to that thing where you can have a sense of community even though you can't necessarily touch each other. You can still see each other. You can still um, talk. And that's going to be really, really important getting everybody through this, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think life's going to be once once we get Corona under uh, control? Once let's, let's say we get that vaccine a year from now mm -hmm. and we're like, okay, Corona's over. Pfft. Back to normal grind? Like, what, I, what do you think is going to happen a year from now? 
what I hope is gonna happen versus what I think is gonna happen are probably very different. Let's put it that way. Uh, I have a feeling of what's gonna happen and it's probably gonna be the same thing that happened maybe after SARS, maybe after swine flu. Uh, people went back to business as usual. And you know what, we would have had a vaccine for coronavirus. I don't know if it would have worked for this specific one, but SARS is a coronavirus, a type of coronavirus. And they were in the development stage of a SARS vaccine and it got cut because it was no longer a big threat. You made know. cuts and said, you know, like, oh, it's not in our minds, so we don't really care. Right. And that um, was in 2003, I believe, right? Uh, was SARS 20, 2003? I think so. Yes, I think Sometime so. Sometime around there, right? Mm-hmm. So I, do you think people are just going to be out of sight, out of mind? Like, is that quick? I don't know if they can do out of sight, out of mind with this one. I mean, it was a freaking pandemic. We're still talking about the Spanish flu, and it's, like, over 100 years later now. So, you know, and, like, those people aren't even around anymore to talk about it, so... We're still talking about that, so... Do you think more money will be dedicated to research and development in uh, disease control? I think if the right people advocate for it and enough of those people advocate for it, yes. But it all comes down to us, you guys. Like, in the end, it all comes down to us, to the people. If we don't give a shit enough to stand up and say something or to stand up and do something about it, nobody's going to do anything about it. Like, it really is. People People really do have the power. We forget that. We always are looking to somebody else to deal with it because in our hearts and in our minds, we're not leaders. We need to step up, and every single one of us needs to be a leader now. And it goes back to um, what I was saying about how uh, the, the future of this pandemic is on each and every one of our shoulders, whether or not we wash our hands, whether or not we go out, all of these things. We all need to be leaders right now. And so I'm hoping, ideally for me, I'm hoping that all of us have a lot of individual growth. We get a lot of individual responsibility and we understand that every single one of us is interconnected. And I hope with that growth and with that responsibility comes confidence. And I hope that that will lift us all up, every single one of us, and we can start advocating for the things that society needs. Because if we don't, we can't just look to a politician to do it. Politicians are followers. They follow the people, right? And that's not going to work. We need to make change now. Adam and I are very practiced at this because we've been vegan advocates for many years. People are not generally practiced um, in activism. And we all need to be activists now. And not activism just... can come in many forms. Yeah. It doesn't have to be standing on a roadside with a sign screaming, with right. a megaphone in your hand. You can have conversations every day and you should have conversations every day with the people around you mm -hmm. sp spending the message because if you don't have the conversation, nobody will. And that's one less person that could be on our team mm -hmm. stopping this from happening again. And just so you know, I am not specifically talking only about like vegan activism. I am talking about activism for society. Look at the voter turnout. That's just sad. People do not give a shit. We need to give a shit. We need to start taking responsibility for our own lives. Nobody's taking responsibility. So that's my lecture for today. <laughs> Everybody needs to stand up and do something. I have one final question here, and I want to know what you think, because this is obviously kind of talking about where coronavirus is right now and where disease could be in the future. And one thing that really scares me is because we're always starting to see the next level of disease, and that's antibiotic resistance. Oh, yeah. That's like the end game for, for humanity. Until we if, can develop a stronger antibiotic again, yeah. Right, but currently we don't really have that technology. I don't even know exactly what it is, mm -hmm. antibiotics. But all I know is that almost 80% of antibiotics are given to animals to keep them alive long enough to fatten them up, to keep them confined in small little spaces where they're constantly getting injured and sick. Just keep them alive long enough so we can eat them. What, what do you think is going to happen with that, uh, with that sector? Do you think that vegans are finally going to say we're enough or enough is enough? Do you think the general population is going to say enough is enough and either develop new technologies in biosecurity or get rid of animal agriculture? I mean, maybe it doesn't have to be people saying enough is enough because I don't think the people will. 
unfortunately. I really don't think that they will. Uh, maybe it's going to be the economy that says enough is enough. Maybe because of this whole coronavirus thing and the world economy just tanks, like maybe meat will become a luxury again, like it was back in the days before we started having so much heart disease and, and all these other things. And maybe we'll just kind of leave it that way. Maybe we won't make the same mistake again and start, you know, breeding all these billions of animals into existence every friggin' year so they can kill them off. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at this on paper, it's a no-brainer. But we're not just talking about it on paper. We're talking about changing an entire culture, uh, the entire society. It's a societal shift. And so maybe this pandemic is the the wrench in the wheel, if you will, uh, that makes everything stop so that we can, I mean, it's already shaking up society so much. Maybe we can come out on the other side with some positives. What do hmm. you think? Like a lot of things changed when nine 11 happened, right? Everybody said, you know what? Terrorism is bad. Let's give up some freedoms because we need to band together to stop, you know, terrorism. Mm hmm. We're going to pass all this legislation, all that kind of stuff. So my hope is that we have the same amount of um, uh, bipartisan support for legislation and for enforcement of a new law that says we need to get rid of animal agriculture as soon as possible. We need to get a plant-based food, plant food system in, in line so that we can um, get rid of this huge threat so that we can avoid any future coronavirus pandemics mm -hmm. or anything similar to that. And we especially do not want to live in a world with antibiotic resistant bugs. Oh my where God. every time you go get your knee scratched, it could be life or death. You might have to get your, your leg sawed off. It'd be the dark ages again. Imagine that you, you uh, are building a wall and you, you screw a, mm -hmm. or nail, a, nail your finger with a, with a nail or something like that, or puncture your, your skin somehow. Even from the simplest little cut. Sounds pretty specific, Adam. Sounds, sounds like something maybe I or may or may not have done very quickly. <laughs> Soon or uh, recently, but... You don't want to live in that world where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to get my finger cut off. Yeah, or worse. Or I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. Because that's not a world I want to live in. No. And nobody wants to live in that world. The thing is, we have to make sacrifices. And the sacrifices start with giving up those things that we think we we uh, are entitled to, which we were never were entitled to. I'm so curious. I hope somebody is doing a study right now. Like I know everybody's very, very busy, but I hope that there's some like really smart scientist out there who's doing a study about the effect that this shutdown has on climate change. Hmm. I don't even know if they can really measure it, but just think about the amount of planes and, you know, factories and stuff that are going to be shutting down over well, the next year. Like We even know what? that uh, one of our... Friends there doesn't uh, no longer working at well, a, a major airliner. Major airliners are, are they're canceling flights. They're, they're massive shut uh, layoffs. Eh? Laying off so many people, and then of course being in Alberta, like uh, this happened at a bad time for Alberta um, economically speaking because uh, there's like this weird oil war or something. I don't know. Some some oil thing is happening overseas, and it's bad for Alberta. So like our economy was already bad with the oil. There's too much supply for the amount of demand, and so our price for um, barrels of oil has dwindled quite a bit. And uh, our original budget for Alberta was based on, I think, 58 US dollars per barrel. And it's like trading at 34 or something right now. Uh, it's probably gonna go down even more. Like gas right now for us, I think- um, 81 or something like that. 74 eh? yesterday, 74 cents. It went down even more than, than that, yeah, wow. Oh my God, it's crazy. 74. I don't it's think so, I've like, ever lived in a time when it was 74 cents. I remember it being 72. Oh. I think. Okay. I remember. I, I grew up in Northern Ontario, so I, I actually yeah. lived in an area where it was you had to import the gas and it was really mm -hmm. um, remote. Very expensive. So, yeah. And I remember when the, the war in Iraq happened, it was like $1.50 a liter. Holy crap. So I was just like, wow. Like from that to this, like it doesn't even compare at all. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to hit like 50 cents. I don't even know. They'll be given away for free. <laughs> oh my god. Let's hope they give some food away for free too, because Yeah, well what do you water think will be that? the next one. Water will be the next thing. What right? do you that's my question for you. What do you think about the hoarding at the grocery stores? I you know what, I 
I can understand the mentality that people have is like, okay, well, I'm going to grab what's here while it's here, but I'm disappointed as well in the community aspect because when you start buying lots of items that potentially aren't there in the future, you're robbing someone else yeah. who just wanted one or two. Right. Case in point, we tried to go find toilet paper because we legitimately needed one case of toilet paper and we have a household of six yeah. people, four kids and two adults. So we do go through some items, right? We couldn't find any. And I mean, there's probably a lot of elderly people who weren't straight out the gate yeah. to Costco on the, the day of the panic. They don't have the mobility and we do. They don't have the mobility and they were far off, far worse off that they, they probably didn't even get what they needed. And it's so stupid because toilet paper is not going to save you. That is not going to... You can live without it. There's plenty of other options, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just kind of disappointed in humanity disappointed right too. now. And you know what? I went and I, I did our regular grocery shop and I did buy a few extra things because I kind of had an inkling that this was going to start happening here. Uh, like I said, we've had a little bit more time than you guys in the States. Um, but uh, so, I, you know, I did my regular grocery shop and giant bags of rice were on sale. And like we're vegan, right? So like we tend to eat a lot of rice in our house anyways. Uh, so I was like, perfect. I'm going to stock up on some rice, going to get a big bag zero bags, bags of rice on the shelf. Uh, and then I go, and this was before like the giant lines, before the huge toilet paper hoarding, like before all that, it was like probably a day before actually, cause the very next day is when everything went crazy. And uh, the lady in front of me had like five bags of rice in her cart. And I'm just thinking like, why do you need all that? Maybe I could give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she's buying for her, her uh, sisters and brothers and whoever else. Or I don't know. I guess that I guess you never really know. But <laughs> adjacent to that story, <laughs> I did hear from uh, somebody that I know. They were at Costco in um, Saint Albert the other day, and somebody had taken every single thermometer off the shelf. Yes, and had it in their cart. And they checked out it and they were bragging about um, making a profit off of these thermometers in Costco. And this was posted on Facebook and then I seen everybody saying, oh, why didn't they stop him? You know, like they should have put some implements in. Keep in mind, guys, they they don't know what they're doing either. These are store managers. Like they don't, they don't have uh, procedures in place for this, I don't think. And if they do, they're probably not reading the procedure manual because they are trying to service all the people walking through there. And then you think, okay, it's going to be a store clerk against this big guy with a bad attitude. Really? Are you really going to confront him if you're not in that type of line of work where you're used to confronting people like that? Probably not. Like, right. people are scared right now to begin with. They don't really want to start fights with people either. Like, Well, it's really hard to enforce, like, oh, you have, we have, there's a one limit uh, bag per person, mm -hmm. but you took three. Yeah. Well, you have to go put two back. Meanwhile, the stores are just being raided. Like, it's... It's just an impossible wave of, of uh, it's not worth the fight. Yeah. Is what I guess you have to say, right? But I think now um, they're finally starting to realize that they need to start putting limits on things. And I have a feeling that they will start to do that with many, many things. Start rationing it out, basically. So right. are we in war times? Is that what this is? It almost feels like it, eh? It feels like it. Yeah. Feels like it. Any final thoughts you'd like to leave everybody with? Nobody really knows what's going to happen, guys, but we have to do it together. We have to start being team players. You have to start thinking about your neighbor. You have to start thinking about the single mom. You have to start thinking about the, the old lady down the street. If you would shovel someone's walk for them, you should leave them a bag of rice. You should leave them a roll of toilet paper. These are people too. It's not every man for themselves. We're creating our own emergency by purchasing everything off the shelves like this. We have the supply, but because people are hoarding like this, like the system's not going to be able to keep up for much longer. We're creating our own problem right now. Mm -hmm. If people just purchased like normally, there would be no issues. And I think um, if you know somebody um, in your area that is, is vulnerable, mm -hmm. make sure you go and do um, help them out. Make sure they're not having to go and jump into a, a contaminated zone yeah. uh, at the grocery store because, you know, just go out and, okay, what do you need? Do you need uh, more toilet paper? Do you need more food? Okay, I'll get that for you and I'll drop it off on your, your doorstep. Yeah. 
make sure you reach out to these people. Um, okay, so yeah. it, it, it's community and we have to start getting back to that. It, we, this, this can't be the time when you don't know your neighbors. Because I know a lot of people in cities, they don't even know who lives next to them. Mm. We have to start looking out for each other. So yeah. thanks so much for listening to this uh, podcast and uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Yeah. Um, we're uh, going to keep updates. We'll probably do another one of these videos soon. Um, now that we have a little bit more time on our hands, <laughs> we've yeah. been very busy on our um, Edmonton Vegan Outreach and also on the Megan Carey channel. Mm -hmm. um, Megan, Megan's been working on her um, um, plant-based health for women. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's been it's been a lot of uh, work, mm -hmm. but it's also been uh, paying off, right, Megan? Yeah, it's great. We have a really good community over there, you guys. So for you ladies who are listening, if you're interested in increasing your health, losing a little bit of weight, it's a great community of ladies over there. You can, uh, I'll leave a link in the description down below, but it's plant-based health for women and it's an awesome group. So come join us and continue the conversation there. I am doing a little bit of uh, information on, uh, you know, how to stay healthy during this very stressful time. So uh, if that's something that interests you, hopefully I can see you over there too. And you know what, I've been following a lot of the advice too, even though I'm, I'm not obviously female, uh, it's for guys it, it, too, it, it, it can work out for guys too, but it, to let it be known, I've, I've been doing the program as well that uh, for the, following the whole foods plant-based diet and I've actually been able to drop about 20 pounds or so yeah, in, we've in, both in lost three months. Actually. And mm -hmm. that's, that's great. I feel a lot better and uh, there's a lot of great uh, advice in that uh, group. So yeah. um, head on over and check it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, obesity is a risk factor. So if you can get your obesity under control and if you can start eating foods that promote your immune system, I mean, it's 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 the best thing that we can do right now, right? Manage your stress, manage your foods, manage your sleep, and, uh, and you'll be faring far better than you would if you didn't do those things. And wash your hands. <laughs> wash them twice. Yeah. Okay, take care, guys. Bye.